Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. And we got to talk about a real shift that's happened in the country in just the last few days. Uh, President Trump, for the first time ever, was on video wearing a mask. And it was part of a shift in tone from the Trump administration that was encouraging people to wear masks. And now major retailers have taken that as a cue and the widespread outbreak of coronavirus that's occurred in the last three weeks across the South and the West. And now major players are no longer going to allow you in unless you're wearing a mask. Walmart and Sam's Club both have the mandatory mask requirement starting Monday. Best Buy has started theirs. Starbucks has started theirs. And you'll see a lot of other national chains go to mandatory mask requirements. And then you'll start to see regional players do so as well. It can be a little sobering. I went this morning to pick up bagels, curbside pickup, and I got to the bagel shop and it was closed up dark and there was a sign on the door that said there had been an outbreak of coronavirus at that location and that it was closed till they I guess complete the full wipe down and testing of all their employees and so this is something that was really For so many people outside of New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Washington State, for months, this was just basically a remote thing, a news story, and very rarely occurring. And now we're in a phase that is frightening, and uh, there are going to be, sadly, significant losses of life. The good thing that's occurred since March and April is that the treatments available for someone in a hospital have refined and improved. And so the mortality risk still extremely high, uh, potentially hundreds of times the mortality risk of seasonal flu. It is less deadly now for people who are hospitalized than it was just 90 days ago. And that's due to heroic efforts of essentially trial and error by medical professionals who are putting their lives and health on the line, treating uh, people we know, our loved ones, people in our community. And so there's a challenge for us because we've had enough community spread in Arizona, Texas, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, and Mississippi Uh, and also parts of California, that we can no longer control the outbreak of coronavirus 
in areas that have such community spread with testing, tracing, and isolating, which we really have not gotten right in the United States yet. We still have got to do that. So now the only way to turn this around is for widespread adoption of public health protocol, which is mass shields and keeping your distance from others. And I've I've noticed a change in my own life that, you know, I walk every day and I've been in, I guess you'd call it quarantine since the second week of March. And I'll tell people who come over to say hi or shake hands or whatever, I'm sorry, I, I have to keep distance from you. And there were people whose feelings were getting hurt, uh, as I'd say that over many months. And I've noticed in the last few weeks, nobody gets their feelings hurt now. They're like, oh, okay, I get it. So there is this shift in understanding that we're in a more dangerous phase and we'll only turn this around if we truly widely adopt a public health protocol. And coronavirus eventually, like all pandemics, will burn itself out. But in the meantime, it's a question of how many people get sick and how many people die. And that's where we, as Americans, need to protect our fellow Americans and do these simple things. Uh, Another thing, if we do this, the economy can improve. If we don't, and we continue to have community spread, the economy goes into reverse, forgetting we're not going to close things down again like we did earlier in the year. People do it themselves. They say, you know, it's not a worthwhile risk. I'm not going to go do this. I'm not going to go do that. And then you have more layoffs. The economy is already showing more slowness. I want to talk about that more uh, later in this show. So the more you and I can do to help on the health side, the more we do to help the economy also. And I know that there are people who are offended by what I've said now, and I appreciate your feedback on that. If you feel that I'm talking about stuff that I have no right to talk about, or you feel like, as some people have said in some of the comments on Clark Stinks, I'm not staying in my lane, please take your upset with me and post it at clark.com slash clarkstinks. And now it's time for your questions that you posted at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternating asking your questions. And Kim, who do we have? This is from Nancy in Georgia. Nancy says, back before COVID shut down the country, we had made plans to visit our team's spring training camp. We made reservations, we bought the game tickets, we got a hotel room, and then three weeks later, everything changed. Canceling the hotel was not a problem. However, dealing with the team's ticket office has become a nightmare. We were told a couple of times that a refund to our debit cards was in the works. However, two months later, we're still waiting on said refund. And now we've been told that it's not going to be a refund, but instead credits for a future game. We've reached out to our bank. They actually credited the money back, but now they say they're going to side with the team and take the money out again. What other recourse do we have? I have several health issues and may not be able to go next year or even the year after. I am really, really sorry about this circumstance. And 
Major League Baseball has, uh, of the sports leagues, at least to date, has handled coronavirus worse than anybody else. Uh, The players and the owners feuded for months, and they've ended up with this extremely truncated season. There are people who just love baseball and look forward to the 162 games. This year, you drop 100 off that, if I remember right. There's going to be roughly 60 games a team. And the teams have been very disrespectful to their fans. The people who go to spring training are the super fans. And to alienate your super fans is really, not only is it not the right way to treat someone, it's really bad business for the future financial health of baseball. You can't force a team to give the money back. But what I would do, this is going to sound really bizarre, but I would contact one of the sports columnists with your local newspaper and see if they want to write a story uh, about, because they're looking for every potential angle that ties sports into coronavirus and see if they want to write a story about it. You also might dial up If you have sports talk radio in your market, call in and talk to the hosts about how you're being mistreated. Because the only way to change this with baseball teams is to embarrass them. And that's where you might get a change in the policy. But I know they're trying to hold on to their money, but these are billionaires that own these teams. And treating the fans like dirt is just stupid. Joel? Clark, Mary. Uh, Joel, before you go on with Mary's question, as much as you love baseball, I can't believe you stayed quiet through (laughs) all that. No, it's terrible. I mean, these teams should be treating their fans, especially, like you said, the diehard ones, uh, with respect and and giving them refunds when it's called for. And um, not doing so, I think, does set them up for a lot of long-term harm. The way baseball's approached this this whole situation and trying to come up with a, a shortened season, it just is not... Yeah, I think fans are going to be upset for years to come. But uh, let's get on to Mary's question. Mary in Michigan says, My husband passed away uh, September 2019. I ended up receiving his stimulus check along with mine in 2020. I had to return the $1,200 that was sent to him, which I did in April. The government has not yet cashed that check, though. So any idea on how long it will take them to do this, Clark? Uh, First of all, I'm really sorry about the loss of your husband. Second, based on what I read in the last 48 hours, it could be months before the envelope is ever opened. There have been estimates that there are hundreds of millions of pieces of mail that the U.S. Treasury and the IRS have not opened. And so this is something that's happening to a lot of people in a variety of circumstances. On the other side of this, A huge number of people who were due refunds who filed tax returns early have not received those. So we have a system that's broken down. And just know that that money may be in your account for many, many months to come. And again, I'm sorry about your loss. Kim? Jamie in Minnesota says, I made a decision that I regret and I took out a 401k withdrawal as permitted by the CARES Act. I used it to pay off all of my consumer debt, including my car, and now I'm left with only mortgage debt. I'm 35 years old, and now I have less than $10,000 in retirement funds. Should I take the the tax hit and move on, or 
Should I stop my other retirement contributions and try to pay some of this back? If I can't pay back the whole thing, it was $50,000, can I still deduct from taxes what I will actually recontribute? Yeah, so it would be to your advantage, even though the the deal right now is you're avoiding the 10% penalty, whatever that 50 you can pay back and eliminate a tax burden and get money back in your retirement account is a good idea, even if you were to reduce current contributions, just to try to get back as close as you can to even. And uh, there are lots of people who did strategically, or I guess it would be tactically the right thing, taking out this money, but now looking long-term strategically, it's like, huh, not so much. So you do have the think about it ability to pay back in, and I would take advantage of that. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. William's with us on the Clark Howard Show, and William, you are fired up. <laughs> Financial yeah, independence, yeah. retire early. Have you heard the term <laughs> well, fire before? That. Yeah, I have. I, I would might maybe call it like sparked up or like lukewarm, you know. Uh, <laughs> we're not shooting for 40 years old, so. <laughs> well, the, you know, the, the 40 thing is just a gimmick. The reality is, is that financial independence, I often leave off the, the second part of it, retire early, is about you being in a position much earlier than normal retirement age to be able to make the choices you want from that point forward, whether it's doing something you really love that pays a lot less money, working part-time instead of full-time, or not working at all, just that you have the freedom to live the life you want to and that's to me what financial independence is about tell me where you are right now with that quest well it's a little bit of an odd predicament i would say so we have about 20 years out my wife and i uh, we're both in our 30s early 30s so we want to retire at 51 and 53 respectively um we have about two hundred thousand in retirement savings at this point in time wait 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 in your early 30s, you've already saved over 200 k Yeah. <laughs> You're not giving yeah, yourself enough credit, William. <laughs> yeah, I am my own worst enemy, that's for sure. No, you're not an enemy. Um, you're your friend. I mean, look <laughs> at what you've done already. Yeah, yeah. You know, we... Uh, we we both kind of grew up in, in a situation where we our parents and families didn't have a lot of money, so it's always been something that we we knew that we would pass it on to, you know, our family or or be that way ourselves. So yeah, you know. So you've done um, this four hundred one k's Roth IRAs. Yeah, so three quarters of it I would say is pre tax, and then the other quarter would be um, in Roth or also in in a brokerage fund, and and that's kind of where this question leads out to is, you know, the wife already maxes out her 401k. I can do one of two things. I can either max out my 401k or I can contribute that same amount to uh, a brokerage fund to, you know, low cost index funds. 
But I, as far as taxes, I'm not really certain what we should do since we want to retire early. I don't want to tie it up into a, a pre-tax and not be able to use it when we need that bridge. Sure. So let's talk through possibilities. Are the two of you income ineligible for Ross? Do you make too much money for that? No, we're not over the border yet. We're really close, but we're not there. All right. So Roth would be something that would be really key here because the beauty of the Roth... We do max that out yearly. You do that already? Yeah, we max that and her 401k, the 19500 just not mine. All right, so is her 401k or yours a Roth 401k, or are they both only offered in traditional? Only traditional. Okay, that's a shame. You know, it's very common now that employers offer both. The advantage of you doing a regular investment account and doing heavy emphasis on index funds or their equivalent uh, exchange-traded funds is that you've got money that grows very tax-advantaged, and then you can use the money at any age, and the tax treatment is very favorable when you'd sell those. So with your goal to be bagging work well before you're eligible to spend money out of the 401k, having money in the investment account and index funds is a smart strategy. Okay. You know, you want to max out the six each for Roths, and then beyond that, do the investment account. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Wonderful that you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so that you can keep more of what you have. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. And a lot more info is coming out about how much the economy has been harmed over the last several months as we have taken these body blows economically from coronavirus and there are certain sectors of the economy that have stayed okay or sprung back fairly well and others that are still deep 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 in the toilet now so i've got brand new data to share with you first things first uh, one of the surprising aspects of what's been going on is that the high end of the new vehicle market is doing very well. A lot of people who are higher income earners and among the highest income earners have both significant amounts of their wealth in investments and work in jobs overwhelmingly where they've been able to continue to work, have stayed employed, and have been able to work remotely. And so they have been buying high-end vehicles in significant numbers, and that segment of the vehicle market has recovered. The other part that's recovered, more affordable used vehicles, is people have been worried about their jobs, worried about their income, but have needed reliable transportation 
it's led to a significant uptake in the sale of used vehicles. And now, by many measures, the core of the used vehicle market is selling at higher rates than even would be normal for this time of year, as people who didn't buy vehicles for months are now in the market buying them. The housing market, as I've just shared with you recently on the show, housing market seems to be solid. And the only other sector that seems to be doing okay, grocery stores. Grocery stores doing better than historical, not at the huge increases as they were having in March, April, but grocery stores continue to outperform as people eat far more meals at home than they're eating out. And the reverse of that, stores where, I mean, restaurants where uh, people would normally go out and dine, the sales are way, way down still. The latest data, this is from the Financial Times, the latest data shows that restaurant sales are still down 40%. So a huge percent of people are not going out to restaurants at all or only doing curbside, and any restaurant owner could tell you how much they are suffering because of that. Uh, Anything to do with transportation, obviously the airlines, all that sort of thing, still down roughly 60% from what it had been. Um, healthcare, amazingly enough, you think about the patient loads from coronavirus, but healthcare is down still about 20% from what it normally is, is people are afraid to go to the doctor or the hospital. And so people are dying or ending up more ill because they're not getting care for uh, when they have a heart attack or when they have other health problems. People are staying away from medical facilities, from their doctors, from hospitals, being worried about the possibility of getting coronavirus when they may have the certainty of having something else. Don't do that. Go to your doctor. You know, I'm even going to the dentist for a teeth cleaning soon. And I'm doing that because I got to take care of my dental health. And they sent a email to their customers, because patients, laying out all the steps they're taking to make sure that you're safe in their environment, and I feel safe going to do that, and I'm going to go do that. But the economy faces a, a difficult slog until we get to a point where we have uh, treatments that people trust, And we have, ultimately, vaccines that will make a big difference. And so you're going to see that with the uh, recent spread in coronavirus in a number of states, a lot of the people who've come back to jobs, unfortunately, are now going to see hours cut or go through another round of layoffs. So this is going to be, in the word a lot of economists are using, a choppy time period on the economy, which brings me full circle to something I've been saying since the beginning of March, and that is you want to be careful what you spend, save what you can, build up reserves, because we don't know how this is going to play out 
over the next, let's say, year or two. It's time for your questions that you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternating. And who's up next? Clark, I am Michael in Florida's got a question. He says, Clark, I love the show. Thanks to you and your team for providing all of us with such valuable information. Could you explain when and if it's a good idea to change the ownership and title of your house from being in your name to an LLC? Are there any benefits to creating that LLC? For a personal residence, I don't know of a reason why you would do that. Um, The most common reason somebody would do that with a personal residence is really a rich people problem. When you have a vacation home or a second home in a different state than the state in which you reside, that's the most frequent reason that someone for non-investment real estate would put a property in an LLC. And the reason you do that is for something referred to as ancillary probate, that you don't want to have to uh, probate at time of your death in more than one state. Again, that's a rich people problem. For someone with their principal residence, and that's the only residence you have, and it's where you live, I'm not aware of a reason why you would do that. And if you have a mortgage, you may not be permitted to do that by your lender. Kim? Kim? Bill in Wisconsin says, I have a rather unique credit card situation. I normally pay off the full balance of my credit card every two weeks to keep the balance under control and also to maintain visibility as to what I'm charging. My wife and I booked a trip to Italy in 2019, which ended up not happening because of COVID. I put the entire $9,000 trip on the credit card and paid it off within a month. But then when the trip was canceled, I was given the credit back. So now I have a very large negative balance on the card. I received a note recently from Credit Karma that I had paid off one of my accounts. I guess they're probably not used to never seeing a balance over zero. I could see where this could have a positive impact on my credit score, but credit scores are weird. And I could also see how it could have a negative impact as I'm no longer demonstrating paying off a balance regularly. It's not going to hurt you. Uh, you're, I assume you're still using that card to try to work down the balance. You also have the option of contacting the credit card issuer and asking them to send you a check for the amount of credit you have. And it would be very unusual for a financial institution to refuse to do that. And that way you wouldn't have this huge credit with them anymore where you're making an interest-free loan to the credit card. Think if the shoe was on the other foot, they're not making interest-free loans to you. They're charging you an average of about 17.5%. But when you have a credit with them, they pay you nothing. Not really a fair shake. Joel? Clark, Nicole in Georgia says, how do I remove my name and public records and address, stuff like that, from the internet? Unfortunately, unless you move to Europe, you can't do that. Um, Europe has a comprehensive privacy law that works across the European Union called the right to be forgotten. And after technology companies and websites complained bitterly and saying it would be an administrative nightmare, it turned out it was pretty easy for them to comply. So in Europe, if you are not a public figure, you send in a request, and then your record is wiped clean. And it's something that I think is way overdue in the United States 
there are any of a number of reasons why someone needs a right to privacy for life and death. Think about somebody who's hiding out from an abuser or something like that. And it's just a symptom of how Congress is not listening to the American people and instead listens to the big fat cats and corporations that give them money. But having a right to be forgotten would be a very important right for we as Americans to have just as people in Europe already do. Right now, there is no procedure you can use to wipe things clean. I will tell you there's one thing you can do, though, if you use Google. Google has a procedure where you can wipe the data clear automatically that Google has on you, and Google has an extensive amount of data on you, that you can set up where after so many days, whatever Google has on you is automatically purged, and all you have to do is change the privacy setup you have with Google. We have the steps to do that at Clark.com. Kim? John in Florida says, I'm still on furlough, but my place of employment just reopened. However, they have not called me back to work, and I noticed that they moved somebody else into my position and placed that person's position as an open job. I know this is a little out of your wheelhouse, but I feel like there's dozens of others that are not getting called back and their jobs are being posted. Do you think that our company is trying to push us out? And is there anything that we can do? So Florida is what's known as an employment at will state. And I'm really sorry that your employer has done this to you. I would suggest that you talk to someone, uh, your former supervisor or manager, and see if you can get the lay of the land, what is going on. And a lot of companies are using the layoffs and hire backs as a way to age discriminate to have a younger workforce moving forward. I don't know your age to know if that's a factor in your case. But uh, you have nothing you can force them to do. So that's why just ask questions as politely as you can of people who are above you in the organization. And I hope that they do end up calling you back and giving you your paycheck back for working for them. Edward is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Edward, you're thinking of buying a car that I love beyond my imagination. Which is why I submitted my question to you. And there's a good chance you would address it. So uh, what kind of Tesla are you thinking of buying? Um, Somewhere between the 2013 and 2017 Model S, depending on the price um, that I can find. So let me get specific with you. 2017 is a good year to buy a Model S because of the improvements that they made with the technology, the hardware on the vehicle that's available on the 2017s. And yes, sir. so that would the be price a price range might just be a little bit uh, too high. for me, but I'm, I'm still, I'm just keeping an open mind though, as the, you know, when I see the price and I'm ready to pull the trigger. And um, as an alternative, have you driven, test-driven a Model 3? I have not. I've test-driven the Model S, though, and really enjoyed it. So the Model 3, you can buy brand new for the price range of what you would pay for a three-year-old S. 
and you suggest buying new, I know that's something you don't normally do. Right. I'm just I'm just drawing a contrast because the Model 3 is not as luxurious as an S. An S is very luxurious. Mm-hmm. But the 3 is actually more advanced technologically than the used S's. It's also something that is, uh, can I ask how old you are? Yes, I am 35. Oh, you are in the heart of people who love the threes because it's really Spartan. It's like an Apple phone as a car. (laughs) And it's got this big screen in there, and that's all there is is the one screen. I would go, you can do a um, a touchless, you know, because of coronavirus, you can do a um, touchless test drive of one where they sanitize. Oh, yeah, and that's what I did this weekend. Sorry? Yeah, that's what I did with the Model S this weekend, and I, I guess I could set up to do a 3. Yeah, go go test drive a new Model 3 just to yes, compare sir. it, compare one to the other, and see what you think. But I hear some hesitation in you about Tesla just in your voice after having driven it. Well, what is what that about? Because you sound like you love it, and at the same time, there's something else going through your mind. Right. So it's not the car itself that's an issue. I'm sold on the brand and what I've researched. But um, on the way to my test drive, I called my insurance company just to get an idea what it would be like. Um, and they, I, I almost ran off the road while I was talking to the lady because she told me that it would be a $300 a month increase to my insurance to have a Tesla Uh, covered under their policy. And I was stunned because this is a company you recommend a lot. And it's one of my favorite companies. Uh, USAA or Amica? USAA. USAA is very expensive for Teslas. And they may surcharge Teslas more than any other insurer. And I don't know what that's about. Why they um, have those big, big surcharges on Teslas. And I don't know if they they just don't know what it's going to cost to repair them or if they worry with how powerful they are, how fast they are, if people are more likely to uh, meet a tree up close and personal or <laughs> what it is. But this would be a case, and I, you know, I'm, I think USAA is the greatest ever, but this may be a point where you get a quote from other insurers just to see if, USAA truly is out there on their own with what they want to charge for a Tesla or if that's something you'd find across the insurance universe. You Any may, suggestions where to start? Or um, Well, I'd start with Amica since they're the other of the greatest insurance companies. Yes, sir. And then, then get quotes around. Also, you may live in a state where Tesla will insure you. In states where um, Tesla has a lot of market share, They've been offering insurance uh, because there have been people who've run into this with their insurers where they want to charge a lot of money for it. You also might find that because of the different materials used in construction of the vehicle, that going back to the Model 3 again, it may cost a lot less to insure. So just a thought for you, and it's like driving nothing else. It's like driving what... The future is going to be like, not just that it's an electric future, which obviously the whole auto fleet in the world's going electric um, over time, but there's something just really special about what Tesla has created. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. 
Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.